everyone, and welcome to the Shelf Care Interview, an occasional conversation series where book list talks to book people. This Shelf Care Interview is sponsored by Revell. I'm Susan McGuire, and today I'm talking to author Suzanne Woods Fisher. Suzanne Woods Fisher is an award-winning, best-selling author of more than 30 books, including On a Summer Tide, as well as The Nantucket Legacy, Amish Beginnings, The Bishop's Family, The Deacon's Family, and the Inn at Eagle Hill series, among many other novels. She's also the author of several nonfiction books about the Amish, including Amish Peace and Amish Proverbs. The third book in the Deacon's Family series, Two Steps Forward, is coming from Ravel in February 2020, February 4th, to be exact, coming up soon. Thank you for chatting with me, Suzanne Woods-Fisher. Thanks, Susan. It's so nice to connect with you this way. Yeah, welcome to the Booklist Fold. So tell us a little bit about Two Steps Forward, and and you have sort of a, I don't want to say complicated series structure, but your series are involved. So maybe tell us how it fits into the series, how readers can jump in or... Well, the fun of actually, I, I wouldn't say complicated because all of my books take place in the same little fictitious town of Stony Ridge in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. And that was intentional. So I've got quite a few series as you were so kindly mentioned. Yeah. And you have characters that come on and off screen. So what I've tried to do is create almost a small town with familiar faces. And we one will step on screen as the main story, the main character. And then maybe when their story finishes, they kind of recede to the back a little bit. But this story, Two Steps Forward, oh, and, and just to back up for a moment, I really do try to make every story a standalone. Yeah. So that even though there is an overriding story arc, which makes a series fun, especially if you love the characters, but I, I just think every book needs to stand on its own legs. And it, nothing makes me more annoyed than to read like book two. And all I'm doing is half the book is, is backstory, trying to catch you up. And yes. I don't want to do that. I've never done that. So every book is um, easy to jump in on. Two Steps Forward is the third in the Deacon's Family series. And it's actually one of my favorite characters, a young man named Jimmy Fisher, no relation, but we met Jimmy when he was just a boy. And through this the number of different books, you've seen him grow up, sort of, sort of, kind of. He's kind mm -hmm. of Peter Pan. Yes. He's been off stage for a while. And he is, this is one story that I did not finish intentionally. I really wanted to bring Jimmy back in and see if we can grow him up a little bit more. And that's what Two Steps Forward is about. Jimmy Fisher finally grows up. Bumpy road to manhood for him. But I like that it's a love story and coming of age isn't the right word because he's fully an adult. So I like to ask folks about their research and I'd love to know what has inspired you about writing. I mean, I know you write other things besides Amish stories, but you know, what specifically about the Amish has inspired you and how you do some research and things like that. To, to really start off with why I write about the Amish goes to the fact that my grandfather was raised plain in a little town um, outside of Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. And plain, is that uh, another word for Amish or a, an order of Amish? It's or? kind of a generic term for Anabaptists which, you know, if we go back to Reformation history, if you want a super quick lesson, it's in the 1500s when after the Reformation came about and there were a few individuals in scattered around Europe who felt strongly that people should be adults as they baptize, not as infants. And it seems in our day and age, Susan, like such a small task, such a small thing. 
But in that time, it was a deal breaker. And people were martyred and burned at the stake and chased across Europe. But that's actually the Mennonites began there. They sort of started this off, the Hutterites, which if you know, those are the, they all have all things in common. But they the two are Anabaptists. And then kind of the tree carries on with German Baptists. That was my grandfather was actually a German Baptist. There's apostolic, there's river brethren. And the Amish were late to the party. They didn't really come into the fold or, or become distinctive until the late 1600s. So um, the Anabaptists had really- oh Gosh, that's very late. Yeah. yeah. But th what's funny is they're the ones we most recognize as plain right. people. Now my relatives are, they will use cars and they will use electricity, but they would not have a computer or a radio or a television in their home at all. So, um, and they are Anabaptists. So anyway, it's a generic term, but they are the plain people, what you kind of call it. So anyway, that's where my interest came from. And I just, it's a very sincere interest. As long as I remember, I have been very drawn to my relatives and their, my grandfather actually left amicably to go into college. It's the only the Amish who shun, not the other groups. So he has had a close relationship with his brothers and sisters. He was one of 11. Um, and of course, from that, many, many cousins and second cousins. And in fact, I was in the airport just a couple of weeks ago and I saw a little bonneted woman and I went over and I said to her, hello, I'm actually a Benedict, which was my grandfather's name. And she looked at me and she said, I'm a Benedict. <laughs> and it turns out she was my mom's second cousin. So Amazing. yeah, there's, um, they're wonderful, dear people and they live their life so authentically. So that's what kind of is at the heart of my writing where I'm not trying to create perfect people. I'm not trying to persuade anyone that Amish is a better way of life. Those many parts of it look kind of appealing in this day and age. Right. And many parts don't. But And then we really can't become Amish. They are a, a very distinctive way that their minds are even shaped into that sense of group culture that's what's best mm -hmm. for the group is best for you. Total flip-flop of our American culture that is, um, you know, so much, so based on celebrates the individual. So. Yeah. I um, remember having a conversation with a coworker. We, we were on a Beverly Lewis reading kick oh. and she was talking about wanting to go to that simpler life of you know living on an Amish farm. And I was like, every single thing they have to eat, they make literally from scratch. I'm like, I can't, I can't do it. I'm just going to enjoy the books. You go into an Amish store, you'd be surprised at how much candy there is and food brought in and things they buy, Cheerios and Fruit Loops. And, yeah, like, yeah. and you yeah. think of them a certain way and they are right. upside down. So I just get the biggest kick. One of my favorite stories is I was back, you asked about research and I actually go quite a couple times a year back to um, friendships I've made among the Amish in Ohio and Pennsylvania in particular. And mm -hmm. one woman named Esther and I, when you go visit the Amish and you have a car, they they make use of your errands right. ability. So we, I was doing errands with Esther and she got in the car and buckled her seatbelt and she turned to me and she goes, so what about Trump? And I looked at her like, I did not expect that from her at all. Right. I mean, of course, of course they know, but I think also it, again, in my head, I have this idea that they live like totally separate from the world, but it's not M. Night Shyamalan. It's like there, there's all kinds of variation among the Amish because every single church is self-standing and there's over 1900 churches. So there's not an overriding bishop that manages or decides these things that 
whether you're using right. cell phone or not, or whether you, you know, there's, there's just so much variation. It's fun about it. I, I, so is, we go back to two steps forward. Mm -hmm. I have yeah, a, I was going to mention Sylvie and her. Yeah. From a different background. Sylvie is Jimmy Fisher's kind of love interest in this story. Not an easy love. <laughs> it, no. it, uh, they, they get tangled up a lot, but um, she's actually from an extremely conservative Amish church. So if you look at almost a spectrum, there are, even among the old order Amish, and we're talking horse and buggy, old order Amish, there is such a variation from those who have outdoor plumbing, mm -hmm. almost, their homes almost look prideful of being poor, all the way up to, you know, just really homes that you could see yourself living in so easily because they're so cool and beautiful and artistic and so when you're when you're thinking about your next series or when you're thinking about the different people who will come in and out of this community are you thinking about sort of educational aspect that for example this conversation is having like is that something you think about with your book is to expand people's view of the Amish or is it just a happy coincidence of the subject I actually read and research quite a lot and I subscribe to Amish newspapers and try to look for true pieces of their lives that I can kind of weave in seamlessly so you don't realize you're getting super well educated. But I, I like, you know, maybe because of my relatives, I just really like showing the heart of who these people are, that, that they really do have a sincere, authentic wonderful sense of community and belief in God in a way that's sort of like the pie crust that holds it all together. It's not just a slice of pie. It, it defines how they view everything. And I guess I, I, I think the press tends to pick up the creepy stories about the Amish, the weird things. They're such private people that their story doesn't get told. They keep it to themselves. It's the the ones who've had dysfunctional families that have had, and they're, you know, they're not perfect people. They're not, but, but for the most part, they have lower rates of depression, lower rates of heart disease, lower rates of almost a zero divorce rate. That doesn't mean perfect marriages, but there's quite a value on marriage, that kind of thing. So your family that still, have they read your books? Yes. Have they reacted oh, to them? They, they are such, yeah, they're such good fans and, that's really nice. Yes, I've I've had a lot of um, a lot of good words and and affirming comments from those. Now, not all Amish will read fiction. Mm -hmm. Like I mentioned, the spectrum. Some of them will be really suspicious of fiction as a whole and and kind of scornful of readers who are not Amish who are writing about the Amish. But I have to tell you, Susan, I've never been in an Amish home yet that isn't floor to ceiling bookshelves. So oh. they read and read. another another myth dispelled. <laughs> that's the fun part of it that's why there's always more stories to tell i like your description of your series being connected through this small town because that you know that's really true people come in and out of a town and even if you just have like three couples in one series there's still you know many more people in that block who have stories to tell and i think there's a longing in all of us to sort of have that small town life I think this is what makes Amish fiction so appealing. It's it's kind of touching a little part of all of us. That, that right. Or at least what it what it represents. Yes, what it represents. So let's talk about some reading things. So Booklist is part of the American Library Association. So I have to ask you, I don't want to call it a pandering question, but that's what it is. 
How have libraries played a role in your reading life or your writing life? So I'm a huge fan of libraries, and I mean that quite sincerely. I really like to support and, you know, be a part of, I'm in my library at least once or twice a week. I have found something kind of interesting. When I've gone on research trips, I'm out in the backcountry. I mean, this is not not a highly, you know, high population areas. And those little, those public libraries are literally the hub of the town. They are the community center. They are, those librarians provide sometimes even daycare, you know, I mean, kids are coming in after school and computers and tutoring help and, and, oh, I just can't tell you what an appreciation I have for libraries, um, especially going into small, you know, rural areas. Right. Where there aren't necessarily a lot of services or entertainment options. I mean, everyone who's listening knows that, but they will be very happy to hear you say that. It's really quite astounding what a library can do in a community and can't support them enough. And some of these, you know, really poor, poor towns, some of the coal mining towns of Pennsylvania, library was it. That was it. There might be one Domino's pizza and one subway in the library. I love it. Well, so we have two steps forward coming in February. And is that the end of the Deacon family series? Or? That is that is the wrap for the Deacons. <laughs> so, do you have something coming up next you want to talk about, or is it all top secret? No, I do. But I actually, um, you mentioned at the very beginning that I have a book called On a Summer Tide, and that is actually a not Amish book, but it's yes. a little bit similar in the sense that it's a small town. It's an island off the coast of Maine. On a Summer Tide was my first time of doing just a pure contemporary woman's story, but I took some of the way I write, which is creating sort of fun, quirky characters. It's a story about a a dad who realizes his three daughters are growing estranged and Mm -hmm. feels like he has to do something. So he ends up buying this bankrupt island off the coast of Maine, thinking it will bring them all together. (laughs) But it's been a great story. It has been extremely well received and really, really well. And so book two of that will be coming out in May. And that's called Great. On a Coastal Breeze, and the cover just got approved in it. Uh, it's a kind of, one of those covers that you just feel, and here we are talking mid-December on a gray, gloomy day. Tell us about it, though. Sing it out. You just want to walk into it. You know, it's yeah. just a sailboat and a sun, you know, the sun shining and the ocean is calm. And uh, So it's really been fun. Two Forward is really delightful. I can't wait for folks to read it. And that's, again, coming out in February from Ravel. And thank you so much for chatting with me, Suzanne Woods-Fisher. Thank you, Susan. I enjoyed it. 